Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Cloudwater from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. Raise up. For you a prophet like me, from among your own people, you shall heed such a prophet. This is what is required of the Lord your God. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of assembly, when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God, any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among your own people. I will put words in the mouth of my prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words of the prophet, the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or presumes to speak in my name, a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, the prophet shall die. The word of the Lord. Please rise for the gospel. Gospel reading from the first chapter of Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his preach at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching? With authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. 
At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my friends, in Christ. I was in the middle of a sermon once when someone piped up and started to debate what I had just said. I can't remember the sermon topic or even the point that he was trying to bring up, but I remember how unexpected it was. It caught me off guard. And I couldn't ignore him. In fact, if I would have, I know that he would have kept right on talking. So I acknowledged him and I basically said, hang on, I'm getting to that point. Then after worship, I talked to him. He apologized, I think, after some self-reflection and realized that he shouldn't have interrupted me. But he admitted that he was so struck in that moment about what was being said, he just felt the need to say something. We had a conversation addressing his point. He felt heard, continued to worship until he eventually moved away. But his unexpected disruption threw me off. It also affected the members of the congregation who witnessed it, who also came up to me after worship and mentioned how it caught them by surprise too. Now, this man was not possessed by a demon, but his voice in church that day did not follow the expected behavior of someone that we would usually expect to see during worship. I think about how when Jesus was entering the synagogue in Mark's gospel, a similar outburst occurred. It was unexpected. It interrupted the people's ability to hear the word of God. So this man who's possessed by an unclean spirit, and according to Mark, it's the demon who actually speaks. And the demon says, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebukes him and tells him to be quiet, tells the unclean spirit to come out of the man, and so the unclean, unclean spirit does. He convulses, cries with a loud voice, and then the spirit comes out of the man. The spirit wants nothing to do with Jesus. This presence is threatening, and the spirit doesn't want to hear the word from Jesus. And so Jesus makes the spirit leave the man, and then that spirit does not want to be around because it does not trust and does not want to be uh, challenged by Jesus. I imagine that this evil spirit had been seen as very disruptive, unwanted. I doubt that the man who had this evil spirit felt like he was part of the community because of it, like he had lost control, he'd lost part of his identity. Now, I must also name the importance of care that must be done when talking about this passage. This encounter with Jesus is not about mental illness or depression or anxiety or any type of developmental de delays or disabilities. I've been on the receiving end of people telling me that they've prayed for my child's disability to go away or to place blame through a theological lens, and I know how dangerous that can be and how destructive that spiritual abuse is. But I've been grateful for spiritual and solid mentors who've been able to remind me that that's not how God works. But what is happening in this passage 
is something that might disrupt us and might get us to think about this passage in a new light. You see, in the synagogue that day, just because we have this demon possession or an evil spirit overtaking a body, and it might not be commonplace for us, something that we might not see every day or even hear about all that often, it helps remind us that not every single passage in the Bible has a direct and obvious connection to our everyday lives. This story, I believe, is one of those, but what happens in the passage does talk about the presence of evil. It does talk about the presence of sin, and to be honest, I think we can all relate to that. I think it's important to name the sin and evil in our world. Luther Seminary professor Matt Skinner says, this exorcism doesn't eliminate evil. It doesn't eliminate oppression. It denies those kinds of forces the authority and power to hold ultimate sway over people's lives. It's a reminder of our inability to conquer sin on our own. That we are filled with temptation. We often know what God wants us to say and do, yet we choose not to, or we come up short. Yet we do have an authority on sin. We do have someone that we can turn to when we are overcome with hopelessness. We do know that there is a way forward, and that's through Christ. This passage provokes us to stop assuming that the way things are must always equal the way things have to be. We know that the reign of God promises more, whether that more can be realized now or in a far-off future. Folks, we can look at the world around us and instead of embracing the gifts that God has given us to make a change, too often don't we get complacent or silent or lack the motivation to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. We don't want those difficult or awkward situations to arise. And we just hope that if we're comfortable and quiet, maybe if we ignore things, they'll just go away. We hope that these problems can just go away on their own, yet so often conflict needs to be confronted. And Jesus, in this story, immediately confronts the issue. He doesn't waste any time. He sees the evil spirit that has possessed this man and tells that spirit, get out of here. Go away. Adam Grant, who's an organizational psychologist uh, who wrote this book, Think Again, he talks about the ways that conflict and evil have been faced head on and how important that can be. In one of the anecdotes in his story, he talks about this woman from Uganda. Her name is Betty Bigombe. And he talked about how she deeply wanted peace in her country of Uganda and that she sought out Joseph Kony's guerrilla army and insisted that while she was with his people, that she wasn't there to lecture them. She was just there to listen. So working as an ambassador of the government, she just went out into the dangerous uh, field and said, I'm just here to talk. I just want to be with you. She invited people to share their problems. She empowered the people to generate their own solutions. And so they nicknamed her mother, which was ironic because that meant that they treated her like an elder, despite the fact that she was there on behalf of the government that had been seen as the oppressor to these people and to their movement. Soon, she was invited to talk to the commanders in Joseph Coney's army. And as she put it, even the devil appreciates being listened to. She wasn't listening to let Coney get away with something, to let him continue to dominate and destroy. Her goal ultimately was to get him to negotiate peace. Now, Coney is a fugitive at large somewhere right now. His movement lost its power 
It lost its threat. It's incredible how one woman had the courage to help diffuse this momentum of a horrible group, willing to commit atrocities for the sake of what they deemed to be right. It was a group that was filled with evil, yet she found humanity by asking the members their deepest needs, and she sought out their stories, and then she listened. Listening is a way of offering others our scarcest, most precious gift, our attention. Adam Grant believes that when we demonstrate that we care about others and we listen to them, they'll be more willing to listen to us. Sounds pretty obvious, right? But in our day-to-day lives, do we just ever stop and pause and think about, wow, the thing that this person is saying to me is fascinating. I don't need to think about what I need to say in response. When we read the Bible, are we ever then surprised by what's going on? Are we giving the Bible our full attention as well? Do we ever listen to the Bible and come away with a feeling that we have found something that we didn't know about before? About ourselves, about God, about the world? You know, this story from Mark is so short, but when we stop and listen, we see it about the importance of Jesus' ministry. It's immediate. He doesn't waste time mincing words. It's time to go. And it's also quite personal. You know, Jesus sees people. And he knows them. And that fills me with a sense of wonder. Because if Jesus sees people that we might be willing to just walk by and overlook, perhaps we're missing something. So I've got two thoughts as takeaways for this week. What evil or darkness or things in our lives might need to be confronted? What places can we bring our voice to say, look, that behavior, that sin, it doesn't belong here. We have the power of Jesus that we get to call that out. Sometimes it's hard, but we need to name that. And second, can we focus deeper? Can we step back and focus on intentionally listening to one another? What can we learn when we realize that we haven't necessarily focused very well? Where is Christ encouraging each of us to a deeper connection with others? And then can we think about those two challenges being related? When Jesus confronts evil, the people are amazed. They see that his teaching is with authority. And they witness that when he sees them, that he's dwelling among them. He's living with them. So people of God, Today, remember that we dwell amongst each other. And so may the call of Christ compel each of us to care for each other with words of truth when needed, grace when difficult, and love at all times. Thanks for listening. Amen. Amen.